0: I'd like to ask a question. What is Christianity? What is the church? What is the message of the church? Because I believe that Christianity is the only hope for us today. It is the only hope for our world today so it is important to answer these questions correctly it is important to make known the gospel of christ to men and women for the function of the church is to spread the good news of the gospel Sadly, there are people today in this world and when they consider Christianity, they think about morals and they believe that the Christian position can be achieved by living a good life. I'm sure we all have heard that expression. Good living, perhaps, is a term of duration, but it's derived from a wrong idea regarding what the church is all about. We really need to get back to the basics. We need to discover how the church started. We need to see what the church actually did. And we need to use the Bible. The Bible is the only authority on such matters. And we should not force our ideas of what we think the church should be. So we need to look at the origin of the church the New Testament church, and that is found in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. For in the Acts of the Apostles, it gives us an account of the early church. We see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. This is followed by a honeymoon period for the church. When they seen it grow. Then quickly they found opposition from the Jewish authorities. From this came persecution. And from that persecution we see the spread of the gospel. The Gentile mission started after the martyrdom of Stephen. We read of Philip, the evangelist, and we read of how he witnessed to that Ethiopian eunuch. We read of the conversion of one soul of Tarsus, who would become the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist the church has ever had. We read of his missionary journeys with Barnabas, And Silas, where we see Europe being reached. And the Acts of the Apostles concludes with the trial of Paul when he's in Rome. The book of Acts is an account of the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. In this book, we see how the gospel started to spread throughout the world. We, today, need to compare ourselves with this church, this New Testament church, and we need to recapture some of the confidence it had. We need to recapture the enthusiasm it had We need to recapture the vision. We need to recapture the power they had. There are warnings also in this book. We need to be on our guard. Because the church that we read of in the Acts was far from perfect. Because we read of rivalries. We read of hypocrisy. We read of immorality, we read of heresy, and all these things greatly troubled the church. Tonight, I'd like to look at three things from these verses before us. And I believe it sets the foundation for the church. Firstly, we have the church's creed. The church's creed is the person of Christ. Firstly, Christianity is all about a person. Christianity is all about Christ. Luke says he has already written to this man, Theopolis, a former treaty that. Is the book that has his name. The Gospel of Luke is written to the same man. And he tells him in that book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That Gospel of Luke was all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And his reason for writing another book is he's got more. He has more to tell this man concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is about a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about moral issues as such. Luke starts By giving an account concerning Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the theme of the preaching of the early church. The theme of the gospel of Luke as well. Paul in his letter to the Corinthian believers. He says we preach Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23. When he's in Rome and he writes that letter to the Philippians, there was rivalry. But it was okay for Paul, for he said they preached Christ. That was the important thing. If we read Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through to 18, the most important thing was that Christ was being preached. In the book of Luke, Luke records all those things that Jesus began to do and teach. And in the book of Acts, it continues that work of what Jesus continues to do for the church, his spiritual body, through the work of the Holy Spirit. In this chapter he starts with some unfinished business of the church and he gets them ready for that day of Pentecost. The contents of the gospel are all that Jesus began to do and teach. What Christ taught was confirmed by the miracles which he did. This proved him To be a teacher that came from God. This is what Nicodemus says in John chapter 3 concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus left us an example and it proves who we are. It tells us, by their fruit ye shall know them. And the best ministers will teach and leave us an example that is constant with the things they preach to us. Our Lord Jesus laid the foundation for all that is taught and done in the Christian church. The apostles had to carry on and continue what our Lord Jesus Began. What a great responsibility it is to continue what Christ Himself began. We see His doctrine, we read about His miracles, we read about His sayings, and we read about His doings. They're all recorded in the Gospels. Luke in his former treaty, tells him that Christ was the Son of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Luke tells him that the Lord Jesus came into this world. He came out of eternity into time. He came from heaven to earth. And that babe that was born in Bethlehem was the very eternal Son of God. He came into this world. He did many things. He worked many miracles. And the miracles were a sign of who Christ was. He tells them about the teachings and the example that Christ left for us to follow. Then Luke goes on and tells him about the end of his life. They took our Lord and they nailed him to a cross and he died. We also find out that death did not hold him. He rose triumphantly on the third day and he appeared to his disciples and to other people. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. He was seen of them for 40 days. He taught them, he spoke to them, pertaining to things pertaining unto the kingdom of God. Christ came to reconcile us to God. Christ came that we would have our sins forgiven. Christ came that we would know God as our Father. Christ ordered his disciples to take this good news and to preach it. He told them to preach the gospel regarding repentance and the forgiveness of our sins. He told them it was only possible through the name of the Lord Jesus. Preach to the whole world, for they are sinners. Preach to the whole world, for they are under the wrath of God. They need to know that Christ is the only saviour. They need to know that Christ is the only hope for this world. And his disciples were to be witnesses of Christ. The message of the church is central to Christ. The church's creed is the person of Christ. Secondly, we have the church's commission to be witnesses of Christ. First, number eight. They were to be witnesses of Christ. I would like to note that this is one of the last things that our Lord Jesus said while he was on earth, before he left for heaven. If I wasn't to see you again, and I had to leave something, those words I would leave would be special. They would be precious. They would be important to you. And these are the things which Christ left to be a witness unto him he left us with that great commission they were to be witnesses of christ that is they were to tell everyone what they had seen christ do they had to tell everyone what they heard about christ they were not to share their own ideas they were not to give their own opinions but they were to speak what they knew to be true concerning Christ. Some people are called to preach. Some people can teach. But all of God's people are called to be witnesses and to tell the lost about the Saviour. Every Christian person must bear a faithful witness to their Saviour. And verse 8 shows how the gospel was to spread. First from their homeland in Jerusalem. And we see that in the first seven chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, where the gospel was in Jerusalem. Then into Judea and Samaria, just out a little further. And we read of that in verses in chapters 8 and 9. And then to the Gentiles and then to the ends of the earth. And we read of that mission starting from chapter 10 of Acts to the conclusion of the book. No matter who we are, Christians should begin to witness firstly at home and then extend it. Into the whole world. And I believe that anyone. Who has taken up that commission. To go into the whole world. And to preach the gospel. They have left this land. And went to a foreign land. Have always started. And they were always a witness. In their homeland. Before they took up that charge. To go into another land and tell others about the Lord Jesus. A witness is one who accurately and honestly relates to others that which they have heard and seen and experienced in their own hearts. They declare what they know to be true. A privilege it is for us to be witnesses of Christ. What a great responsibility it is to be a witness of Christ in this generation. Every believer has a vocation. They are missionaries in this world and as evangelists they must preach about Christ. They must tell others about Christ. Every true child of God is the Lord's witness. Most of us have some other employment. And that will pay for the expenses of this life. But every believer has a calling. A life's work which is to be a witness unto Christ. I remember in work one time, there was a fellow I worked with, and he knew me as a Christian person. And he said, if you're so passionate about it, why don't you go away and go full time and go into these other lands and tell others about the gospel? And I told him that my mission field was here. I told him that there was no way anyone could witness to him because he wouldn't come into church. So I was his witness. And he couldn't get away from that because he sat at the next desk from me. So he had to listen as I witnessed to him. I was a witness for Christ in my workplace. The Lord speaks regarding that responsibility of every believer. They are to be witnesses of Christ. And not only that, it tells us that you will receive power. They are witnesses of Christ. And the Lord will equip them for this work that he has called them to. They will receive the power, the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can be effective witnesses unto Christ. No one can serve God aright until that life-giving power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And when this power comes upon them, they will be equipped To be witnesses unto Christ. In verses 6 and 7 of this chapter, I believe we have a warning, a warning to the church. You see, the disciples here made a mistake, they desired to know things that was not right for them. To know. They were aware of the writings of the prophets. They were told regarding the restoration of the kingdom. And they heard Christ also speak about this kingdom. So when they saw Christ dying on the cross, This idea of the kingdom being brought back to Israel died with it. But when they saw Christ raised from the dead, this thought revived once again. And once more, they turned to this kingdom. And Christ had to check such an error. In our Lord's reply, he neither rebukes them, nor does he contradict them. Instead, he tells them it is not for them to know. It is our business, it is not our business to know the definite times and periods of prophecy. Nor is it our business to know the occurrences of such predicted events. He tells them the Lord has established this by his own power. The Father has determined such things in his own time. And Christ tells them it's not expedient for him to disclose such things to them. The Father has reserved such knowledge for himself. And it's not for us to pry in to such things. Such external decrees are not for us. To know. They had a business to do. They had a future work to get involved in. And today, Christian people get so heavily involved in those deep things of God. They try and understand the infinite with their own finite minds. And they have a great seal for such things. Things were Well-first Christian people and mature Christians can disagree upon. Unfortunately, they had their great seal for such things. They defied the church. In their seal, they separate the church. They fall out. And our Lord here is bringing us back. He's bringing us back from the brink to those things that are most important. He focuses their minds. These things are not for you to know. But this is for you to know. Be a witness unto me. The church has a great responsibility. And that responsibility is to be a witness unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is essentially saying, focus, focus your minds on being a witness to me instead of having this great seal for things, for the deep things of God. Be a witness to me. That's what the Lord wants. Be a witness. The church's commission is to be witnesses of Christ. Finally, the church's comfort as found in verses 9 through to 11. We read of two great events that are spoken of in these verses. One in the past, the other still to come in the future. The ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ to heaven And then his promised return to earth. We see here the ascension of Christ to heaven. It says, while they beheld him, he was taken out of their sight in a cloud. I believe that this event was for the benefit of his disciples. It was needful for them. To witness such an event, For if Christ had gone in a less dramatic way. They may have assumed that Christ had only disappeared. And they would wait for him to come back and get another appearance of him. For this is exactly what had happened over the previous 40 days. Christ would appear unto them. Then suddenly he would disappear from them. And then at a future date he would reappear. But now they gazed up into the sky as Christ was taken from them. There is a kind of finality about this event. They realized now that Christ had gone to heaven. There would be no more of these sightings of Christ appearing and disappearing and reappearing. That time has gone. Christ has gone to heaven. You may ask me, why do I call this last point the church's comfort? Here is one that they loved and they were losing him. To heaven. How can that be a comfort to these disciples of the Lord? In the ascension of Christ to heaven, it was very important. For if Christ had not returned to heaven, he could not have sent the promised Holy Spirit. We read about that in John chapter 16 verses 5. Through to 15. You can read it yourselves, but it speaks of the promised Holy Spirit. If the Son did not go, the Spirit would not have come. These believers were going to be indwelt by the blessed Holy Spirit. We see Christ has appointed them to a work now christ gives them the ability to complete this work they would receive power they would receive spiritual power because the holy spirit would be upon them this gift would not be received in vain but this gift was there for the purpose to empower them to be witnesses unto Christ and unto His glory. Without the Blessed Holy Spirit, the Church would be dead. It's as simple as that. This ascension to Christ, or to heaven concluded our Lord's earthly ministry and it started his heavenly ministry because in heaven Christ is not idle he's not sitting in the clubhouse waiting for us to complete our work and then come back no Christ is at work Christ is our intercessor Christ is our advocate with the Father. Christ is our great high priest. Having obtained our eternal redemption. He sat down upon the throne of God. Hebrews 9 verse 12. It was through his blood. He offers continual intercession for his people. Romans 8 34. 1 John 2 verses 1 and 2. By his blood, all blessings are bestowed upon the church. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through to 6. Is it not a great comfort when we consider the heavenly work of Christ? Is it not a great comfort to us when we think about those things that Christ is doing for us in heaven? Should does not give us great confidence to come before God in prayer to make our requests known, knowing that we have an intercessor for us, knowing that we have an advocate with the Father. Does it not give us great confidence when we come to God in prayer? What a comfort that is. For the church today. And finally. Our Lord shall return. The promised return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is coming again. God sent two angels to proclaim this promise. To his beloved children who were on earth must live in anticipation of this promise. We live in anticipation of the fact that Christ is coming again. This should cheer our hearts. This should enliven our souls. This should encourage our hope. We may not know when our Lord shall come again, We may not know how it's all going to take place and how it's going to unfold. But we know one thing. Christ's coming is a matter of certainty. When our Lord comes again, it shall be personal bodily event. We find that in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. It shall be a glorious event appearing, 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 to 10. It shall be sudden, without warning, like a thief in the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 6. The second advent of our Lord will be the completion of our salvation. It will be the completion of God's eternal purpose. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 24 through to 28. What a great comfort it is for the church that when Christ left earth, he gave us the gift of the blessed Holy Spirit. What a comfort it is for the church when we consider that Christ is in heaven. He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. He is our great high priest. And what a great comfort it is for the church when we consider that one day Christ has promised he will return to earth and he will receive us unto himself. Amen. Perhaps we'll Conclude our service now by the words or by singing the hymn of that great commission, Go forth and tell. And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.